and welcome to episode number 78 of the Lines Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Fairway J and Brett Colson, where we run down all the big bets, all the big news, all of the big happenings within the gambling industry. Little bit of poker, little bit of DFS, mostly sports betting, but we are here to let you know what is going on. We have some interesting stuff to talk about with a mid-season report shot over from DraftKings, so we have a bunch of numbers that we're going to be able to sift through with you guys. Of course, we'll talk about the NBA and what's going on there. Some really terrible news in the league on Wednesday night for at least for our West Coast fans out there. And then we'll talk about the World Series a little bit. But before we get going, please go ahead and subscribe. Hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to us. Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Apple, whatever it might be. We really appreciate the reviews. Subscribe, rate, and review while you are at it at the Lines US at PlayPixUS on Twitter. Our friend Jay here is heading over to L.A. We were talking just a second before we hit the record button here. Is getting out of frigid Las Vegas and heading over to warm Los Angeles to take in the Breeders' Cup, man. Tell us all about that, what you got going on, and what the uh, what the plans are. Well, to, uh, 2016, I made my first trip ever to Santa Anita, and I covered the Breeders' Cup, and I said, God, this is an awesome event, and uh, managed to get to Churchill Downs last two, and this will be my third time to a Breeders' Cup, um, so I'm heading out. It's it's quite an event, and if it's it's kind of like I tell people, there's bucket lists, and I'm not. Uh, don't don't count on me for horse picks. I'm not a horse handicapper. I do not have to study the form, but I don't take the time, and I don't do that. But I uh, really enjoy the event, and the animals are awesome, and to be able to take it in, I thought I'm gonna give it another go. I've got someone else I'm seeing while I'm in LA. Told them I'd come out as well, so. Good, good, good weekend, and uh, it's the biggest weekend in horse racing, of course. Breeders' Cup, the two days, over thirty million in prize money, all Grade One races, and it's the best horses throughout the the world that come in, and many international horses as well. And it's uh, quite a day of betting, and there's uh, there's handicapping contests of guys that are really into it that battle throughout the year to get into these contests. And there's one at the Breeders' Cup, and then there's plenty of obviously tremendous betting and full fields, which makes it even more with opportunities and and uh, better scores. So let's, uh, you know, like you said, you're not a big, you're not a big horse handicapper, but you, you know, you obviously know your way around, you know, your way around the, uh, the horse betting streets here. So if our, if our friends listening here want to give it a whirl this weekend, uh, give them just a, a real quick, quick glimpse into what they might can uh, get into. Well, first I did do some coverage for the lines and wrote up some things about the Breeders' Cup and you can go to the lines.com and see all of the breakdown of the races we've got in chart forms with the odds jockeys uh, trainers and all that and then we've got some just betting tips and strategies i am connected in the industry in that i do get some uh, i get a lot of insight from a couple of real sharp handicappers but also guys that study um, and give insight into the races not just uh, not just picks but give really insight about Sam, one in particular that covers Santa Anita talks about the track and how deep it it is and how that how that impacts just like if you are handicapping golf courses and different courses different um, Bermuda grasses and you might put on you've got different services obviously to analyze and again UI and uh, most of us don't have time or understand all of that so we look to others that are digging into that information but the lines we've got some coverage and some good information up about the the Breeders Cup events and in terms of betting we talk about you know win place show and the, all the exotic types of bets and they have huge guaranteed prize pools at the Breeders Cup of at least a million dollars over the week on Saturday half a million on Friday for pick 
pick fours, pick fives. And uh, yeah, uh, I, I always say it's got to be a real difficult game to beat with the takeout that the tracks tracks have. And yet it still gets pretty good coverage and uh, a lot of interest, especially for the biggest weekend of racing. Brett, you going to go wading in those uh, Breeders' Cup streets this weekend or what? Well, it's funny because I only really ever bet on the Kentucky Derby until this year. But now that we're doing some more coverage of these events, I mean, I, I hop on the TVG app a little bit. I dabble in some small bets because, I mean, horse racing is a little bit like DFS with the paramutual payout system and finding value on horses that aren't being bet on. Kind of like finding that, you know, diamond in the rough contrarian DFS play. It's a pretty fascinating way to to pay out on bets. So uh, I have definitely bet more on, uh, on horses this year than ever before. And I, I will be, uh, I'll, I'll be paying attention to the, to the breeders cup this weekend. I think that's a good thing to point out um, that you don't have to be in a state that is legal for sports betting to actually do this. If you want to do this online, one of the interesting things about horse racing is there was a carve out when all this went down, you know, several years ago to where, there are several states, Brett, is, I mean, it's over 30, right? Where you're able to use the, the TVG app and the TVG website. Yeah, it's 31. If yeah. I, if I am, uh, I'm pretty sure it's 31. And Jay actually wrote a great piece about this for the Breeders' Cup, where you can bet on it, how to, you know, to how to find the apps in which states. So uh, it will be, we'll be posting that on Thursday. So it'll be up at the time uh, this podcast goes up. So definitely check out the lines.com. It'll be right on the homepage, how to bet on the Breeders' Cup uh, online this weekend. Yeah. So go check it out. If your state is on that list there, well, uh, be sure and, and click on the links there. Take advantage of whatever offer we have going on because we have some pretty good offers for for all the horse racing sites as well. And uh, maybe you can splash around a little bit. Why not? Hey, it gives you something to sweat this weekend now that the uh, now the baseball is over. And we'll talk about that in just a second here. But guys, I was actually on the air last night at VEASAN watching this happen live. Brett, you were probably well into your slumber, I would imagine, at this point. But watching that uh, watching that Warriors game and what one, they were just getting absolutely destroyed by the Suns in the first quarter. It was, I mean, this Warriors team, you think, oh man, there's no way this could be getting any worse for this team considering how they started this season, how they've been playing one of the worst defensive teams per 100 possessions you can possibly see in the NBA right now. And then it happened. And as it happened, I kind of watched it live and it took me aback because I, I mean, it, it looked bad. I knew it was going to be bad. I didn't know it was going to be necessarily a break. But Brett, this was a pretty big shift here in how we can, you know, kind of view this Western Conference at this point. I think we were all kind of down on the Warriors as it was anyway. But with this injury, this is certainly something now where, I mean, you, you have to start even asking yourself if this Warriors team is a playoff team. Yeah, because they opened around 12 plus 1200, 12 to one to win the title. So, I mean, the you know, odds makers were, were believing and there were some bets coming in on the Warriors to, you know, to get back even without uh, Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant this year, but you know, one and three start, they were blown up by the thunder and the Clippers last week with Steph. And then, you know, this happens last night after they were already down 43 to 14 in the first quarter to the Suns. Uh, books were quick to react on this warriors, uh, down to plus 16,000 to win the NBA title. I mean, there, it, it should probably be lower too. The squad is now Draymond and D'Angelo Russell and nothing else. This team is, I, it got to be a huge dog just to make the playoffs at this point. Yeah, I mean, when Aaron Baines fell on on Steph Curry, it was it was you knew something was going wrong there. You just didn't know how wrong it was going to be. And of course, with the broken hand, and he's going to miss a lot of time here for this team. 
Jay, they just build this huge new multi-billion dollar arena there in San Francisco and uh, now their selling point is come watch Draymond Green and D'Angelo Russell. I'm wondering, I'm wondering just how much this, uh, how hard it's going to be to fill that arena now that uh, this, you know, all the star power has been drained. The uh, the Warriors, I definitely thought they were going to drop off this season, but to this extent and the way they're getting beat, and now with the Curry injury, you, you couldn't maybe have anticipated this kind of significant but and yet we're still just four to five games in the season and to see this is uh, pretty surprising for those that go to the games yeah you're gonna see the fans they've had it so good for a number of years and now in this new arena they're gonna have to kind of make do with what they've got and there's you got uh, clay thompson out and now steph steph out with the injury and it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a tough road here moving forward uh, uh, brett where did it move to sixteen thousand for the uh for the warriors that's what I saw at FanDuel is, is 160. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's actually, it's actually much, much lower over at, uh, over at DraftKings for whatever reason. I have no idea why that's still, they're still only plus 5,000 over at, uh, over really? at, yeah, they're still only plus 5,000 over at DraftKings. So pretty interesting disparity there as to how they think that this is going to play out. I mean, I can't imagine a scenario in which the, I can't imagine a scenario in which the Warriors are only plus 5,000 at this point to win the championship here. Um, I mean, they're at this. It, here's the other thing about this and the way this I think the fallout might come here is they might be so far down by the time Steph is ready to come back that you might just tell Clay Thompson, like, just take the year off and just get yeah. fully, fully 1000 percent healthy. Like, let's not even worry about getting you out on the court because it makes no sense whatsoever for for us to just like try to claw to a to an eight seed or something like that where we're going to get the, you know our doors blown off anyway i mean if i was the warriors and especially like we talk about this you know this new arena and season ticket holders and all that like i might just tell clay like hey man let's just hold out to next year and, and let's let's give a run at it then it's tough to feel bad for this super team that they had over the past few it years, is. but man, did it they is. deal with some injuries at the end of last year and already in this year? I mean, it's some wasted seasons, really. Last year they were a, basically a lock, right? And then you know the the you know their starters go down, and you know they just they don't have enough off the bench to to compete with Toronto. So uh, yeah, I don't feel bad for them, but this this is <laughs> this is kind of rough. The World Series wrapped up on Wednesday night. The Washington Nationals are your World Series champions here in 2019. This was a team that was at one point way, way out of the picture here. I mean, this is a team that even in August you could have gotten at like 30 to 1 to win the World Series. That is the type of odds you could have gotten on this Nationals team. And listen, good pitching timely hitting some really really uh really fortunate luck where the Astros not capitalizing on all of the opportunities they had and they were able to walk away with the win here every single game was won by the road team incredible how this all played out because you were getting some pretty good odds here um Jay I talked to a few different betters who Literally, we're just playing the numbers and not giving a damn at all about what was what was actually happening on the field. They were just literally looking at these numbers. And when these guys are rolling out these top tier pitchers and you're catching, you know, plus 150s and plus 160s and things like that, uh, they, you know, 
the the rest of the analytics and every kind of research and all that be damned they were just like look i'm going to take a I'm going to take a good pitcher and a pitcher that in any other scenario is certainly going to be minus. And he's on the plus side here. And uh, I know a lot of guys that made a lot of money on this World Series just strictly just betting the numbers. Yeah, again, pitching and defense. And I I, I know you and I had I, I played Strasburg and the Nationals in game two. I did not come back with them in game six. And you can see how much strength and power he pitched with again. And when you can take back a dollar fifty, a dollar sixty with a, a top tier pitcher that's likely to keep you in the game, that's where the value usually is and was. I managed. I got in the batter's box last night and um, I played first five on the Astros and got there. I was, was minus one twenty for the game. I think they're laying one forty, and I was pulling my hair out a little bit watching Houston. You know, first and second, nobody out twice and not score after leading one nothing, and then first and second again. And, st- and then here you had another veteran pitcher for the Nationals and Scherzer, three-time MVP on the mound, taking back a price. But that I think the price was fair last night, and yet uh, it was the Astros' bullpen that wasn't able to get it done. And all season long, we saw the struggles or especially early season with the bullpen out of uh, Washington. I did see a better at cash at William Hill and made a $300 bet at 75 to one on the nationals back in uh, June 21st and was able to cash that in. So those are the opportunities that are out there. We've seen it in other sports with the blues and maybe we'll see it. Uh, maybe we can find an NFL team or a college football team that still could maybe make the playoffs at pretty good odds, like an Oregon but uh, the Nationals, like you said, with the pitchers and the opportunity to take back a plus price, that's what you look for with a top tier pitcher on the mound. I was able to I was able to cash some tickets last night as well. I had the over in the game that was lucky to get there, but I'll take it. I had uh, a few different max bets until I got cut off on uh, the under strikeouts for Max Scherzer. One of the books here in Las Vegas had that listed at seven and a half. And I had to, I did have to pay a little, you know, a little bit more juice than I would have liked, but you know, with Max Scherzer in the situation that he was in, you know, saying three days ago that he couldn't even dress himself for him to come out and, and strike out eight of the Astros who strike out less than any team in all of Major League Baseball just seemed like a massive stretch to me. So I hit it once, I hit it twice, and then the third time, that was when the whammy came through, and they said, no, thank you. Uh, you can't you can't hit it a third time here. But uh, still, a, still a good night for, still a really good night for me uh, with this World Series here, Brad. I mean, I think the big story that everyone is coming, you know, it, and it'll die down here in a week or so. But, uh, you know, the big story coming out of this is the whole Mattress Mac thing. He put up just under $12 million to win just under $20 million. But again, you know, as we've talked about it, it, it was it was all just a giant hedge. He had had over $20 million worth of mattress sales. So he had a big promotion liability that he was just hedging against right here. But, you know, listen, I've heard a lot of people say like, oh, I'm so sick of this. And, oh, it's, you know, it's not even a betting story and yada, yada, yada. And it's like, you know, but it is right because it's putting sports betting in the mainstream and it's putting sports betting out there. In, in front of people that, you know, listen, in regular news stories that are aren't that, that don't just get the the betting, you know, numbers and things that are coming out here. And you're hearing about this guy flying over to Mississippi and flying over to New Jersey and then stopping in Vegas and, you know, all these things and to go 
negotiating with these various sports books and things like that. I mean, it is a sports betting story. Now, while we while we understand the minutia of everything and we understand that behind the scenes, it's a hedge. I think it's kind of silly for people to just be like, oh, I'm so sick of this. This is so ridiculous and yada, yada, yada. It seems like people are just always looking for something to complain about. Yeah, I think the coverage of it is fine. As long as media outlets are honest and upfront about what this really is. I mean, it's not it's not sports betting per se, but you're right. It does put put sports betting in in the mainstream. Um, the only real losers here were the people who bought mattresses, right? Especially those who bought a mattress above their budget because of the promotion. I think he was giving a full rebate on mattresses, yeah. more than $3,000, and he reportedly had like $20 million in liabilities there. So uh, he, he definitely still won. Uh, just a brilliant, brilliant business move. Uh, I think they could probably teach what he did here in like college courses, college business courses because of the way he just mitigated his risk while giving himself great promotion for his brand and business. Uh, it's a cool, it's definitely a cool story. I don't know if it's a sports betting story, but it is a great story. The old mattress Mac took to the, uh, took to the, uh, the Instagram last night and, <laughs> He said, I would like to thank Beau Ravage for not taking my $500,000 bet today. I'd like to thank <laughs> Unibet for always having the highest odds against the Astros and causing me to bet elsewhere and to FanDuel for cutting me off. You all saved me money. That's amazing. <laughs> so, I'd, I'd also like to thank the Scarlet Pearl Casino in Mississippi for always taking my action and being incredibly gracious and accommodating. They outdid the big boys. And I think one of the more interesting stories that will come out of this, Brett, and I'm sure our, our 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 sister site over at Legal Sports Report will have all of the breakdown here. But just how much handle in the percent of handle a single person will have made in a state, because we are talking about over five million dollars in a month that this guy bet in the state of Mississippi. And I am very interested when the October numbers come out from Mississippi to see what percent of the handle that Mattress Mac alone contributed to, to Mississippi and revenue as well, because as we know, these bets lost. And so he, uh, you know, he, he also put those monies into the, uh, into the coffers over there. Yeah, me too. I'm trying to find the Mississippi numbers from September. It's really bad radio, but um, I'll, try, I'll try to find those and, and talk about them in a minute. But yeah, that's that is definitely one of my favorite stories out of this is this dude is account, like, he accounts for such a high percentage of the total handle of the state for the month. It's, it's pretty cool. And that's the story, you guys. I, again, with the sports betting, we've got legals, you know, 13 states now with legal. It, it wasn't just couple of years ago, you'd fly to Vegas to make these or you'd be betting it offshore and you'd be laying it off. Now we've got the, the opportunity to promote the business and the industry with where it's legal and a number of states being able to also brand and and and, and sports books being able to brand that they're there for you in these various states. So I think although it's not a real life in that most betters certainly are not betting those sums of money it's uh, it's good for the industry i think to show the um, the uh, expansion of the industry and the sports betting going on absolutely All right, so the the handle in, in mississippi last month was 37.8 million so he would have one yeah. seventh of the, of the yeah <laughs> and their hold their hold percentage is going to be they're going to set some records yeah <laughs> it's, it's i mean holy mackerel so that yeah that will be yeah. uh, that's going to be super fun i cannot wait to see uh those numbers come out for october and to put a bow 
on this as well. Uh, one of the things we did not talk about last week, and I think it's worth talking about here because there were some people and, you know, if you guys aren't incredibly familiar with, you know, the getting down of, you know, a ton of money, I mean, getting down six figure and seven figure bets there are people online who, you know, whenever a Mattress Mac ticket would be posted and they would say, like, oh, this guy got the worst of it. He could have gotten XXX odds here or he could have blah, 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 blah here and all this stuff. And it's like, no, he couldn't because there is only a finite number of, of sports books that are going to take on these six figure and seven figure bets. I mean, he he just said he got cut off at FanDuel. The MGM wouldn't take his action. We read in the article uh, from Darren Ravel that he had he thought he had negotiated where he could get down a million at Caesars. And they called him back and said, like, ah, never mind. We're, we're only going to take 50,000 like there. It's it's. There is no line shopping when it comes to putting down 600, 500, a million dollars when it comes to this. It's it's literally just negotiating who will actually take your money. And Jay, that was one of the most frustrating things for me coming through this, where there were so many people who were trying to act like they were smarter than they, than they are or something. I don't know, like acting like he's like the biggest dolt on the face of the planet because he took a minus 147 when he could have gotten a, a, a minus 139 or something or whatever. And we're like, no, man, that ain't how it works when Whenever you're putting down six hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars, you know. Yeah, not everyone's taking your action for sure. And so, yeah, the uh, again, when you when you are looking at shopping, we there's there's so much out there that just is uh, spewing kind of and maybe attacking him a little bit for the process. But the reality is he's not able to get those numbers, as you said. And uh, most of us that are betting, uh, we want to shop and we want to get those numbers, but obviously. I'm, small 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 percentage have that kind of money to be able to wager so uh, good for him i think again i think it's good for the industry and as long as it's presented in the right light and some of the positive things come out of it i think that's all good the books have the leverage here too right they could kind of price it how they wanted and he i mean he was just looking for action for a hedge yeah i mean i've talked to several bookmakers especially around super bowl time when guys come in and want to put down these massive bets and they'll basically say like, all right, I'll let you break it up into three bets. And, but each time the odds are going to go or going to yeah, be worse in your yeah, favor, geez. you know? So like, they'll say, you know, okay, I want to put down 600 grand. They're like, all right, well, we'll let you put 200 down at 130, And then you're going to have to put another 200 down at 135, And then if you want to put a third one, it's going to be 145 or something, you know? And like, because again, they just, it's it, at that one, you get to that point. I mean, it's not that easy to get down that type of money or something like that. And look, you know, Jay, you, you mentioned offshore, but again, it is uh, there is maybe one or two offshore books that I think anyone would ever in a million years trust about getting down that type of money. Because, again, there's no guarantee. There's no recourse if they decide they're not going to pay you the money. Exactly. So so it's like, you know, this is this is when it comes to putting down that type of cash. You really, really have to kind of cover your ass when it comes to all that. Um, Brett. It's only one day removed, but we do have 2020 World Series odds out. The Astros and the Dodgers and the Yankees come in all over at DraftKings priced at plus 550. I find this a little bit interesting because the Astros have a very big piece of that team that is likely not going to be there in Garrett Cole. He is hitting free agency and weirdly that was like a very weird press conference after the game last night where they wanted to talk to him and he said, well, I'm not an employee of the team anymore, which I was like, wow, that's a... 
It's lit- it's literally been, it's literally been minutes in like your and that you know that's like what you're saying when it comes to this. But uh, interesting that they are that they are right there with these other teams when you know a guy that has gone out there and performed like Cole. You know, every five days you pretty much know you're getting a win. Uh, replacing him is not going to be easy at all, and I think they are probably you know a pretty long shot to re-sign him here. Yeah, I think so, too. So I, I think a good way to, to go about this, if you want to get in early on these odds, is, is kind of identify a few of the teams that are in the Garrett Cole right shop padres angels like you know hopefully the phillies philly yeah right you know like like yeah it's like some of those type teams that certainly could could come in and and drop the type of cash that it would take to get him in there i mean we've seen the angels uh, pony up money before i mean obviously they did that big extension with with upton and trout so those are they're not afraid to spend spend money i mean of course the padres gave machado that 300 million dollar contract it looks like they're trying to maneuver to where they can try and win so and those two teams are down at 40 to 1 whenever we're looking at these futures i mean listen i'm not the type of guy who's going to lock up money for an uh, an entire calendar year because i mean that's exactly that's what would happen here I, i don't have the type of bankroll to to lock up a significant amount of money for a a calendar year so it's not really my style but I guess Jay if you're you know if you're working with a seven-figure bankroll or a a high six-figure bankroll and 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 you know locking up 10 or 20 grand is not that big of a thing to you then you know I think maybe identifying one of these these spots with these teams where if you looked at it and said man if they really had that number one guy there is at least a pretty decent chance that they could compete here. Uh, maybe that's kind of the route to go, you know, this far in advance for these these future bets. Yeah, the risk is always injuries. But when you're talking about projections or a team like the Padres who have shown they're going to be willing to spend the money like they did on Machado, now they need to put the pieces in place with some pitching. And if he, if that was a potential landing spot, then yes, you look at a team that finished uh, maybe down a little bit that could have an up season for certain and you'd get them at a better price and a value price and then even be able to potentially get off it. Or if you have a significant amount, you've got options like prop swap where you get a long shot and you can then start to uh, maybe turn a profit without even holding the ticket. So there's opportunities out there, but projecting is a good way to look at it for teams that have maybe the pieces in place that might be willing to spend and get the top-tier pitchers. But we're seeing uh, that that's the key, I think, is the pitching, clearly, because yeah. we see the Mike Trouts that uh, the Angels don't win and they pay the big money to him and Machados, and you've just got to have the arms. And the Houston Astros during the season made the move to get Granky, and it paid off. Uh, for them to continue to on their way, but ultimately they come up short in the World Series. Brett, we got some great information from our friends over at DraftKings here as we hit the midpoint of the NFL season. And the they gave us the 10 most bet teams by handle and by number of bets. They gave us the the uh the team's most bet to win the Super Bowl and whatnot. If we're talking about by handle and by bets, I think it's a little shocking, I think. I mean, understand that the that the Patriots would take in a bunch of money. So I totally get that if with them coming in as a top spot for handle. But we're talking about by bets. I actually find that to be kind of interesting considering, you know, where DraftKings is located, where they have the books and whatnot. I mean, you know, we're talking about they have a book in Mississippi. That is the Scarlet Pearl, actually, that we were talking about with Mattress Mac. And then the the book over in in New Jersey is basically getting all of their money for football season. They are, they are going live, you know, in, in these other States kind of as we speak, but that's not going to play into these, into these numbers here. I actually find it interesting 
that the that the Patriots are up there as far as like number of bets because I thought maybe there'd be a little bit more regional bias when it came to all that. Yeah, they're also laying these huge numbers too, so it's a little surprising. But this is also a team that is playing in prime time a lot, so I'll you know you're always going to see more money come in and more bets come in on those primetime games. I don't remember exactly how many primetime spots they've been. It's been, it's been quite, it's been a few. Uh, so, I mean, that's, that's one of the reasons why. And I think you see the same here with, with some of the other teams like Kansas city. And I know green Bay has been in, in primetime a few times in Dallas as well. So, I mean, that, that has a lot to do with it. You see the Eagles here at number five and in, in, in handle, um, and number three in bets. That's not surprising at all, given that you know this is DraftKings and they're in New Jersey. But um, yeah, I was, I was, I would not have bet that the, the Patriots would be number one here. Yeah. So let's go down the the top ten by handle: Patriots, Chiefs, Packers, Cowboys, Eagles. Number six: Rams, Browns, Saints, oh Seahawks, and Colts coming in at the top ten here on number of bets. Patriots, Chiefs, Eagles, Rams, Packers, that is your top five. Number six, Seahawks, Cowboys, Chargers, Saints, Ravens at number 10 by number of bets placed. Jay, do any of these pop off the page as strange to you or does it look kind of about right? No, I think clearly you expected the Patriots. I I was looking down some of our other lists and the Eagles, I guess, uh, would have thought because there's season win total was expected to be pretty good they are the most bet team out there on the east and they uh what are they coming in fifth in uh, most bet teams so that that doesn't surprise me maybe even thought they might be higher because they're definitely higher on the most bet teams to win they're number two overall but no i think i think things are pretty much in line i, I guess the browns being up there um, might have been a little surprise. Um, I feel sorry right for now. the people. I feel sorry for the people. The Browns it by handle <laughs> here coming in at number seven. Uh, I feel sorry for those people because uh, yeah, they they haven't been doing you very good. So that's uh, that's unfortunate for you for sure because a lot of money's been lost on this Browns team. A preseason hype. No it question. is. It is now not uh, top ten teams to win the Super Bowl here uh, by handle and bets. No shock, Patriots. But here's where, uh, Brett, I think we're seeing come, some of the regional bias come in. One, yes. one, certainly we understand that everybody thought the Eagles were going to be good as it is anyway, and actually they look to be kind of turning it around and could make a run, there's no doubt about it. But to see the Eagles at number two by handle and by bets, I think this is where we're actually really seeing kind of that East Coast bias come in here. Yeah, certainly a lot of that came in before the season. I think they were... I don't have an exact number. They were dead. They were by far number one as far as the most bet team to win the Super Bowl before it all started. And uh, that it's funny with the Eagles fans. It's not all that surprising to me to see them like outside the top four as far as handle and bets, because that's just how Philly fans are. They're on the team one week. They're off the team the next week and then back on the next week. And that's kind of how the Eagles season has been so far. So uh, I, I can see. Eagles fans kind of fading them week to week as well. But as far as the Super Bowl, that's not surprising to see them number two. Then you look down number six and seven by handle the Jets wow. and Jets and Giants. <laughs> so here it is. You know, I mean, this is kind of how we expected this to be whenever we're talking about these uh, we're talking about these biases. And then even by bets, the Giants and Jets are in the top 10 as well by bets. And so everyone wants to root for their home team and they want to be holding the ticket should some miracle happen. And I get it. And it's fun. And I have no problem with that whatsoever to win the MVP. 
Mahomes by handle, Wentz by bets. Again, regional bias here. Eagles right over there next to New Jersey. And so uh, no shock there to see Wentz by number of bets. But the handle coming in on Mahomes, I totally understand that. I think it's pretty interesting as we go down a little bit further here. I mean, I would have actually thought to see the bets on Christian McCaffrey be higher, not the handle, but Christian McCaffrey coming in number three as far as MVP handle. Jay, you and I know, I mean, this this award just goes to quarterback. They might as well just call it the the, the quarterback VP award, you know, because they're just not giving this thing to running backs anymore these days. And so pretty shocking to see that amount of handle coming in on Christian McCaffrey. Especially, I think when you consider their team. I mean, if you had a do- if you had a dominant team that uh, he was carrying the load for and making the difference, I'd, I'd say yes. But in this case, the Panthers are good; they're not great, and he's not going to be an MVP. You wouldn't think, unless it just explodes in the second half and he takes them to the overtakes the division. But yeah, uh, good player. There was plenty plenty to support him coming this season, and good for him. He's been able to stay healthy, but probably not an MVP. Brett, and this is one of the this is one of the awards here with the way things have shaken out that this is actually still kind of wide open here. I mean, we see Aaron Rodgers has now taken over as the front runner over at DraftKings plus 250 to win the MVP. It was Russell Wilson last week. Russell Wilson now falls to second at plus 275. Then Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, then Patrick Mahomes. So you can see how this injury has affected the Mahomes odds. He falls to plus 1100 and, and you know, four other quarterbacks move in front of him for this uh, for the odds here. It is very wide open and it was fun to watch the odds move after Mahomes got hurt. Uh, you know, we saw first it was uh, Wilson shut up and, and became the favorite. And right behind him was was Deshaun Watson after a great game. And then after you know, Rogers with the six touchdown performance and then he got another win in primetime this past week against Mahomes team. He shot up and I think is now around plus 275 to win it. So I mean, it's it's going to shift every week depending on what happens you know, if these teams are winning. And, and the players are, are performing well. But, I mean, it's, it is, it's more, more wide open than the Heisman race now, right now, that's for sure. Now, the uh, 10 most profitable teams that they sent over by winnings, no shock, the New England Patriots. Number two, though, the Colts. And this is a team that all three of us were, were pretty high on as we were doing our season preview podcasts here Talking about we didn't think that this Colts team was going to be as bad as everybody thought. Did not think that this Colts team with that division that they play in was really uh, anywhere near what those odds fell to after Andrew Luck decided to retire. I put my my money where my mouth is for the first time in a long time when it comes to these futures, because whenever we looked and that fateful day that we saw them sitting at plus 900 out there, um, I went ahead and, and jumped on that. And I'm feeling pretty feeling pretty good, even as we sit right now with this Colts team holding that ticket for them just to win the division at plus 900. The Packers are the third most profitable team. Saints, 49ers, Jaguars, Rams, Bills, Cardinals and Lions round out the top 10 here. Um, Jay, this makes a lot of sense whenever you kind of look down this list here because you have a Patriots team that continues to just go out and one, not only get there for for people on the money line, which helps with them being the most profitable team, but also have just been covering spreads left and right. And kind of the same thing can be said about the Packer team and the Saints team as well. 
Yeah, no surprise, obviously, with New England, despite uh, playing a very soft schedule. Um, I took a loss with last week. I was on Cleveland, and those turnovers, three in the first quarter, were the doom. But the stats showed that that was a pretty even game, and Cleveland came back. And New England's got, got a tougher road. So as far as betting them, clearly the money lines have been cashing. The teasers have been cashing on the Patriots. But they're, they're run moving forward here at Baltimore, at Philadelphia, home to Dallas, at Houston, home to Kansas City. Um, you're going to be paying a price against now some better teams, and that's always something to consider in the regular betting market. But no surprise they're among the handle uh, leaders and certainly the most profitable team. The Colts comment, um, the only surprise I guess I've had with Indianapolis until last week against Denver, I believe they're getting out uh, uh, yards per play. I think um, week in and week out they're getting beat as far as yards per play, but they were able to still find some wins in the last week against Denver, get it done, and held held the Broncos down so they out-yarded them. But uh, they've still got the pieces in place, and we talked that that was a value team, and I guess maybe not as surprised that they're among the, the profitable teams, but to see them at two, I think it was higher than I thought they might be. Brett, they also showed us the notable Super Bowl odds movements here from the start of the season. Patriots entered at seven to one, now sit at 225. 49ers plus 4,000, 40 to one, now down to eight to one. Packers enter at 20 to one, now down to 10 to one. And on the reverse side, teams that have gone the opposite direction, Bears enter at 18 to one now to 100 to 1 chargers sitting at 16 to 1 now at 100 to 1 and the uh and the rams plus 900 to start the season now sitting at plus 2500 i think that is the only one of this group here that is at least mildly interesting to me and i'm not super high on this rams team by any stretch of the imagination and from what we've seen from them so far that said the talent that is there, if the offensive line can somehow get their act together, a Rams holding a Rams ticket at plus twenty five hundred, I think just having it in your account, you probably would feel pretty good about it. I think now has to be the time to buy them, right? Like this, this might be the highest you see them the rest of the year. They've got Jalen Ramsey in there now; he's learning the system. I don't think it'll take him very long uh, to 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 catch up. I think right now this is probably the best value on the entire board is the Rams at plus 2,500. You'd think – I got to look at their schedule, but you'd think they're uh, above – I mean, they've got to be like – at least have pretty good odds to make the playoffs still. Even though they're 4-3 and three right now, they've got some – you know, it's a tough division and they're not going to catch the Niners, but this is still a wild card team, I think. I think the more the most interesting oh. – uh, oh, yeah, Jay, go ahead. I was just going to run They're They're, uh, they're sitting just behind, right? Obviously behind the Niners in the division and Seattle. They're just behind Seattle and the Vikings who both six, six and two in the wildcard chase. And the Rams are five, three, but their schedule, um, you know, I think is still relatively manageable. If they can get the win at Pittsburgh, they come home to Chicago and Baltimore. And at home, they're obviously going to be favored against those teams. And those are winnable games at Arizona. Then Seattle, who I still said all along, I just didn't think that they're as good as their record indicated. And the stats prove that. Then they finish. It's, it, it's, if they're in the hunt, it's going to come down to those last few games because they go to Dallas and San Francisco before home against Arizona. And those are going to be the two big games, not only for potentially the division if they can chase down San Francisco, but maybe to get the wild card with uh, battling Dallas if, if the Eagles and Dallas are still battling for that division. So uh, the Rams, I, I agree. If, if you like the Rams, this is as good as it gets as far as getting the value on them right now if you're going to take them. 
I think one of the other very interesting stats they sent over, Brett, is these uh, preseason win totals and where the teams sit in relation to those on the good end. They went into the season here with the 49ers set at a seven and a half win total. Of course, this team already has seven wins. They are going to cruise past that. Packers came in at nine. They have seven wins. They are likely to cruise past that. Your Buffalo Bills came in at six and a half, sitting at five. The Colts came in at six and a half, sitting at five as well. And of course, the Patriots, we talked about how high that number was, but we thought that there was at least a decent chance they were going to be able to get there. They were sitting at 11, but they already have eight wins. And you just kind of look down that schedule and you know, I mean, like, absolute worst worst case scenario even if Tom Brady got hurt the 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 Patriots probably still push on that uh, 11 total there now that they're already there to eight whenever we go down to the bottom I think this is the kind of the the funny one the teams that were supposed to be terrible have in fact proven to be absolutely terrible Dolphins Bengals Redskins and Jets every uh the team that every you know a lot of people were down on Dolphins win total at five Bengals win total at five Redskins win total at six one win between the three teams there Dolphins Bengals both winless Redskins with one win the Jets total set at seven and a half just one win for them I think the shock here and a little bit of the surprise here Brett would be just the Falcons team that everybody at least had thought they would be competitive here kind of that you know 500 ish season with the win total set at eight and a half but you know how things have gone for them and how horrible that defense has been, and they sit at one win. Yeah, I was duped. I thought that defense would look better. They got uh, Deion Jones back, and you know Grady Jarrett was healthy, and then all of a sudden, I mean, it's, the team has been a train wreck this year. That Colts number is still unbelievable to me. I, I'm sure we talked about it here on the podcast, that six and a half being a huge market overreaction. They're going to get there easily. The Bills, yeah. Uh, I mean, they're a huge favorite to get there, but I, oh man, I don't, come I don't on. They need two wins. It. Don't do this I to yourself. N- Listen, need- <laughs> as, as a lifelong Bills fan, I am not locking this one up yet. <laughs> I love it. At least you're not the guy who's like the, at least you're not the Boston sports fans. Who's like, no, we're going to go. We're going to go 36 and oh, and like, there's not even 36 games in his season. It doesn't matter. We're going to win games by so many points. It's going to count as two wins. And we're like, oh, oh my God, get out of here. <laughs> get out of here, dude. Like, I mean, these, these guys here, but uh, Jay, I think that some of these interesting win totals uh, definitely just kind of fall to me on the low end because uh, there were some people out there who were saying like, listen, I understand these teams are going to be bad, but I mean, five wins. These are still pro teams. Like they can't get to five friggin' wins. And then here we are with the Bengals and the Dolphins with that five win total halfway through the season. And they have a blank in that win column. Yeah, I was trying to look at all these teams that are at the bottom. I mean, you know, a year ago we saw the Bears go from bottom and like four wins to 12 wins. And we just haven't seen that this year other than the 49ers who are going right now from last in the division a year ago to first, but they had six wins last year. Remember they, they won late in the season and you could see the, and, and again, getting their quarterback back and, and some of the pieces, you could see the improvement and the, and the bookmakers certainly weren't surprised in setting an over under that they thought maybe a 500 team or just below. And, and they're obviously cruising well past, but, but the rest of these at the bottom, I mean, these are just disasters and just uh, again, the level, the quality of play and, and clearly the Dolphins talent level is way down and then traded away a number of players. But the Falcons is the one that definitely sticks out the most is we thought they'd be at least, like you said, competitive. And uh, to have one win with an over under of eight and a half is just awful. You know, just it's unbelievable. Tough, tough season for them. Yeah, just absolutely unbelievable. The, the Ford, by the way, the 49ers might surpass their total by the time this is posted. 
this is true that that could happen this is true this is true (laughs) unbelievable it'd be be nice to uh be able to cash a ticket when when literally you're just hitting game eight of the year that's uh that's always good to be able to cash uh, a ticket a futures ticket all right, so let's take a look here at week nine. As you mentioned, the, the 49ers and Cardinals, we won't really go break, in, break down that game here because there is uh, that game will be over by the time you hear this, most likely. That being said, overwhelming percent of handle and bets coming in on the 49ers, even as 10-point favorites here, 93% of the handle, 89% of the bets. And that has a lot to do with the why this line moves so incredibly fast and rapidly uh, it was just a, fortunately I was able to get down on it at eight and a half and uh, I teased from eight and a half down to two and a half. I thought that was a really good opportunity here, but we're looking at this thing opening <laughs> this thing opening over at DraftKings at seven and a half and then just pummeled and it's been pummeled everywhere. It got as high as ten and a half, but here just in the last couple of hours did go back to 10 so as you mentioned Brett this thing could actually be over for the 49ers by the time people listen to this I think one of the more interesting games of the week that I certainly want to hear you y'all's opinion on is this Texans Jaguars game where they're going over to London there is questions around Deshaun Watson's eye as to whether how if it will actually be a hundred percent there was supposedly he was supposedly supposed to give the play ball at the World Series last night but they didn't want to expose his eye to the light and so they were wow. they 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 decided to hold him out from doing that at the World Series the Jaguars is kind of like their second home the home away from home over there in uh, over in London. That being said, the overwhelming amount of money and bets, even on the, the the spread and money line here, is coming in on this Houston Texans team. And, and Brad, I got to be honest, man, this Texans team could be without their top three corners in this game, depending on how the injury situ- situation shakes out. JJ Watt now gone with a with a torn pectoral. Um, I don't know what I'm missing here. This I talked about opening the teaser with the 49ers at minus two. I went ahead and connected this to the Jaguars, so I have them at plus seven and a half. So, I mean, I have certainly a much, much more leeway than than most betters will if they want to bet this thing straight up. But um, I don't know. I'm I feel like maybe I'm missing something here. I don't understand all the love for the Texans in this game. No, I'm with you, man. Look at this. Look at this Texans injury report. It's not just Watson. They've got some major, major injuries uh, and they've got to travel over to London. And I mean, I. I think this is a pretty good spot for the Jags. I mean, I capped this before even looking at at, uh, at the injury reports. I capped this in favor of the Texans, but how you can't overlook everything that's happening here. This is this is an infirmary. And how do you deal with these London games, Jay? Do you do you do you play them, or is it situation? Do you try to avoid them by all costs, or how do you go about these things? I good good question, and I, I uh, had thought about that before. Am I playing many of these? And I actually am leaning and turning more now where I don't play them. And there's a couple of things in, in horse betting in horse racing terminology. They'll say, if you have an off track or a bad surface, there's just no, there's already tough enough things to handicap in a situation to then deal with that. And when you're dealing with this kind of travel in London and um, the uncertainty of that, that environment and travel, I've decided maybe it's not best to play. That being said, if, they, if there's a week, I think you're all on the right track here with the Jaguars. Remember, they go. This is they play there every year. They're, this is a team yeah. that's been there for consistently now, and it's Houston's first time making this trip. And um, if you don't, if you think, well, I'd like to get 
a field goal with the Jaguars, you make another good point, then tease them. I mean, you can you move this up above key numbers and play the Jaguars plus seven and a half, maybe plus eight if you can get a two and tease it up to eight or do it at six and a half. And that's the way to look. I know the Sharps are going to support the Jaguars here. I was surprised by the DraftKings number here as far as percentage of bets. I mean, there's 80... 83% of the bets are on the Texans at one and a half, which definitely surprises me, not only because of the matchup I think is relatively equal, but also because of the injuries and J.J. Watt and then the secondary and what you guys had kind of mentioned going on. So I think it's, uh, for me, it would be Jacksonville or Pass, and if I'm going to add the teasers, which I like to do, that's the side I'm looking at supporting. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, taking a look at one of these other games that I think is going to be a, kind of a hotly contested game whenever people are trying to break this thing down and and actually do a handicap here is this Packers and Chargers game because you look at how bad the Chargers have looked and how good the Packers have looked, and then you see and you're like, wait a minute, three and a half for the Packers here on a quote-unquote, and I'm using air quotes, I know this is, uh, you can't see it over podcast here, but using air quotes as a road game, we all know that these that these uh, teams that travel well that play the Chargers basically take over those those stadiums, and I expect a, a sea of green in that uh, in that stadium there in L.A. I imagine it will be at least fifty percent Packers fans, if not more. We know how well they travel, and we just know how popular this team is outside of outside of just you know the the United States in general here. So, Brett, I don't know, man. This is. I think this is going to be one of those spots where people are going to say, "Oh, this is the this is the gotcha spot. This is this is the this is where you got to be on the sharp side, which is the plus three and a half here." And I look at the way that this game could break down, and I mean, I guess my question to you is: is where is the Chargers' offense coming from in order to counterbalance, you know, taking them as such short dogs in this game? Because I just don't. I've seen nothing from this offense that leads me to believe that they're going to be able to to keep up with what we know is going to be a Packers team that puts points on the board. Yeah, this is the head scratcher of the week, right? What is this line telling us? What? How? How are the Chargers only getting three and a half here? And the Packers uh, might get Devontae Adams back. That's the other I thing. Know. And they, you know, the Chargers got a fraud win last week. They looked terrible against the Bears. The Bears had no. I, I, I'm still baffled by how the Bears lost that game other than, you know, obviously coaching. But the Chargers uh, should not have won last week. That that win is obviously built into this to the spread. So, I mean, the Packers feel like the obvious side, but everybody else thinks that. And this really isn't moving. Yeah, I, I just Jay, what are we what are we missing on on this here? There has to be something that someone saw or someone feels. I mean, like, you know, People could say like, oh, well, it's a bad spot. They're going on the road. But I mean, again, this is like this is the one spot in all of the NFL where there is literally not a single bit of of home field advantage going on. If anything, it'll feel more like a home game for the Packers there with the fans being on on their side. So I don't know, man, I, I looked at this one and I have looked at this one for the last 48 hours. It's not in my account yet, but I'm just uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm very confused. I'll put it that way. Let me give some comments and tell you I have not played this game yet either. And when you think about the spread last week, they're laying this number at Kansas City, and now they're laying it the same number yeah, what against is the this? Chargers. You think, my gosh, uh, uh, it, that's that's the surprising part to me. It is back-to-back travel, but like you said, the, there's really no home field with the Chargers. But let me run these numbers by you because I keep box store data. I load everything in Sunday or Monday night as I complete everything. Here's the here's the Chargers rushing yards the last four games. The last four games, they have yet to eclipse 
40 yards rushing in a single game. They rushed for 36, 39, 32, and 25 yards in their last four games. That alone, I would not play Sandy or the San Diego, I still reference, but the LA Chargers in that game because I just know that it's going to be too difficult to, uh, if, if they can't establish the run as they've not shown, and maybe there's more offensive line injuries that I'm just not uh, miss, missing with this team, they're going to have, uh, they're going to have some troubles maybe balancing and moving. That said, um, I did play the over. And I think the ball's going to be in the air again. And I like the quarterback matchups with regards to that. And so that's the way I'm looking on this game. I think um, uh, ha- had a better number. You've seen it already go up. But like last week where Houston maybe could have even got over the number that I know, Matt, you got a good number to cash a total last week. This one's going to continue to go up. It's It's gone up from 46, 46 and a half. It's up to 48 and a half across the board. I played it earlier over, and I think that's the way, uh, the better way to look until you decide, are you comfortable with a side in this game? Yeah, Brett, I know you and I are, are going to have to play uh, contest card and we'll do that podcast tomorrow and you guys can certainly watch and we'll even have a video that will be posted on the play picks and lines youtube channels but i don't know man i, I know it's going to be the quote-unquote square side here but in, unless i see something in the next 24 hours i just i just don't know how i can not play the packers in this situation i mean it is just there's nothing that leads me to believe that this chargers team is going to be incredibly competitive in this game that's the crazy thing is i i always try to avoid chalk in these handicapping contests, but I, I, I don't hate the Packers here because everything, this one checks all the boxes for them. The, the matchups are, like Jay said, the matchups are horrible for the Chargers here. The way you beat the Packers is on the ground, and the Chargers have flashed no ability at all to run the football. So unless they get it figured out this week, this this just, you just have to circle <laughs> Packers here. Yeah, it is. It is very, very interesting. And I think the other game here that I want to talk about before we get out of here that is going to be the hotly contested game of the week as far as people talking about that you don't know what you're talking about. I know what I'm talking about, and I'm the smart one, and you're the dumb one, is the Patriots and Ravens. The Patriots head on the road to the Ravens. The Ravens coming off of a bye. This thing has moved to three at DraftKings. This was at three and a half for the longest time. It has moved to three in favor of the Patriots, a total of 45. Jay, I imagine there is going to be there's going to be debates uh, between now and when Sunday night football kicks off. There is going to be a massive amount of debates as to how this game is going to play out. No question. And again, as our listeners uh, review this podcast and, and, and look at the numbers here, the games we've talked about, you'll know who, you know, you will know who's winning um, as far as betting goes on the games we've discussed, because the Patriots are take if, if New England wins, the betters are winning. They're beating the books bad. 84% of the spread bets at draft, uh, draft Kings, the Packers had 97%, 97% of the spread money so far coming in on the Packers. But this, this game, I go really upset I didn't get the Cleveland in last week I, it was just a magnificent situation and uh, the turnovers were brutal but my rushing numbers say I gotta I, if I'm gonna play it here I've got to come back with the Ravens I think if you watch this game it'll be interesting to see if how uh, Belichick really is able to spy or handle the um, rushing ability and make um, potentially turn mistakes for the Ravens quarterback Jackson because that's going to be the matchup obviously to watch and the Ravens are number two in the league in rushing and um, clearly the Patriots have had real strength 
defending the run, but this is their toughest test. So home dog here for me is the side, but I, if I play it, it's not going to be much. I haven't jumped on it yet because it's just been difficult to see the Patriots keep screwing me over with some of these bets like last week with the Browns. But, um, Interesting matchup, no question, and the tougher test now for the Patriots. Brett, I do feel like you're probably going to be the same way uh, with Jay here. You tend to favor you tend to favor the dogs. Is uh, is the is the Ravens the play on your end here? Well, we talked about this on Tuesday in our early look at the lines. I just I kind of want to throw these Patriots games out now because they are impossible to cap. I look at these box scores and it tells me that the Patriots should be two and six against the spread. But all they do is dominate the turnover margin every single week, and that's how they cover these big numbers. I can't, I can't figure this out, man. Like, when, when is there, when is this regression going to happen? They can't keep winning turnover battles like this every week, right? Or can they? Plus seventeen for the year. It, Think that's about insane. that. Plus seventeen. It's Here's the thing, gross. though. But can they? I mean, like, I, I don't know. I mean, but can they? Because it's, I mean, it. it I don't know if it's necessarily as much to do with the talent. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Stephon Gilmore, obviously one of the most talented guys in the league and everything, everything like that. But I mean, they really do have the greatest coach of all time scheming these games out. And I think that that just really and truly shows you what, what Belichick can do. And I, you know, I don't know, man, I, so I am I had to hold myself back yesterday when this thing dipped to three. It was at three and a half, you know, for the longest. And then and then it when it dipped to three, uh, I was actually about to put my biggest bet in um, since the Super Bowl from last year. And I, I, I told myself to back off. I felt like it wasn't going to go anywhere that I was going to be able to get three if I still want it. But I look at this deal here and it is the number one rushing team in the league. But what you know, a lot of that rushing production is coming from Lamar Jackson. And if you're Bill Belichick, don't you just line up in zone coverage and you never turn your back on Lamar Jackson and you keep your defenders eyes on him at all times and force him to beat you with his arm? And I mean, and if that's the case, I mean, we're looking at Lamar Jackson, who has one really good passing performance on the year that came in the first game of the year where he was 17 of 20 for 324 yards. But again, that was that was he only threw the ball 20 times. And we're looking against a Seattle team where he only, he threw the ball 20 times and completed nine passes. We're looking at some of these other ones where he completed 19 passes against Pittsburgh for only 161 yards. He completed 21 passes against Cincinnati for only 236 yards. I mean, we're he he's nothing is connecting downfield. I understand Hollywood Brown is supposed to be back. I understand Hollywood Brown is you know maybe will be healthy coming back after missing, you know, several games and whatnot. And and this isn't all on Lamar Jackson. His receivers haven't helped him out either, you know, lot, tons of drops and things like that, but I don't know, man. It just seems to me like this is one of those spots where people are going to try to really, really hard talk themselves into the Ravens because it seems like you're supposed to bet the Ravens here. And then the Patriots just go out and win this game by two touchdowns. Yeah, like they do every single time. The question is, do the Patriots have the athletes and the speed to contain Lamar Jackson? Because I, I thought this, I thought the Seattle Seahawks matched up really well with him with with their linebackers and they got shredded by Lamar. So, I mean, the Patriots have historically struggled against running backs who are mobile like this. So it's, it's a really fascinating matchup and I want nothing to do with it at all on my cards. <laughs> yeah. Very, very interesting here. I, I did almost unload the clip yesterday and, and held back and I was like, yeah, maybe, maybe I need to dig in just a little bit further here, but 
this is, uh, I don't know, I guess I just don't trust. I've watched pretty much every Ravens game so far this year. I've either with DFS action or some of these high stakes season long leagues that I'm in. I have a lot of, I've had a lot of exposure to Lamar Jackson basically every single week. And so I've paid a lot of attention to these games and you know, I don't know. I mean, he's he's certainly better than last year when it comes to throwing the ball. He's better than he was last year where he was pretty atrocious. But I mean, this year it is, uh, you know, he he's still not. There. I mean, we we're talking about rushing games of one hundred and twenty yards, sixty six yards, seventy yards, one hundred and fifty two yards, one hundred and sixteen yards. Like that is what is having having to happen for this Ravens team to to win these games. And you know, this is the Patriots we're talking about. They squeaked by the Bengals 23-17. They squeaked by Pittsburgh 26-23. You know, uh, they get the they get uh, their doors blown off by Cleveland. Uh, I don't know, man. This is, uh, I get the whole coming off of a bye. I get the whole, you know, running quarterback thing or whatever. But uh, if, if you're going to tell me Bill Belichick's defense versus Lamar Jackson having to pass for success, I am going to take Bill Belichick's defense 10 times out of 10. Well, here's the million dollar question. Start or sit Lamar Jackson in season long fantasy this week? Well, I don't think you probably have a better. I, I mean, I don't most of my leagues. There's no better options out there, right? right. Like um, there is one team. I have him and Derek Carr, and I have to admit that I'm I will at least weigh that option. You know, I mean, yeah, Derek, I Derek, Derek Carr against the Lions. Like, I, I mean, you know, I think that there's at least. Uh, you know, at least something that I'm going to consider there when it comes down to it. But I think this is a fascinating, fascinating game. I don't think this is the end of the line movement. I think we could see this thing toggle all over the place between now and Sunday night football when this thing goes off. And I certainly also believe that we are going to see would not surprise me if the books come out and say that this will be their biggest uh, Sunday night football game of the year and maybe their biggest Sunday night football game of the season with the way things have played out so far with it being the Patriots, with it being the Ravens and uh, the two best football minds we have. Yeah, I think. yeah, exactly. Would not surprise me in the least bit with this Big guys game. No question. Yeah. yeah. Sunday night. Yeah. It's going to be, it, it is certainly going to be, listen, you know, you're you, every casual better out there is going to bet this game one way or another. Just, uh, just don't go crazy with it. I know you want to have some sort of sweat. So my only advice would be, you know, make it a quarter unit or half a unit or something like that. You know, don't 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 go nuts. I know you want to play the Sunday night game, and I, I I fully understand it when you're sitting there and you have a island game and you're going to watch the game anyway. You want to have some sweat on it, so just uh just don't go nuts with this thing, guys. This was uh, this was fun, and Jay, man, uh, have fun on the travels. We can't wait to get the report from over there, and uh, hopefully you come home with a fistful of cash by hitting you know three four superfectas while you're over there. And some more NFL this weekend. Yeah, look forward to it, guys. Thanks again. For Brett, for Jay, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week.